So curiously tonight, I'm going to talk about the meaning of life. And just the the topic itself amuses me. It's like, Mike's going to tell us the meaning of life. You know, there's something, I don't know, I get a kind of a, a surreal pleasure out of that. But at any rate, <laughs> um, I'll say that the one thing that is very befuddling about this whole topic is that there are two definitions of the word meaning itself. And so the more head-centered definition is something representing something else, like a signifier and a signified. You know, this means that. You know, a red light means stop. Um, and in this sense, you know, certainly we can, as, you know, talk about what words mean. Um, you know, we can even ask, what does the Statue of Liberty mean? What does the Mona Lisa mean? What do, you know, what do the various images hung in this room mean? And how can I say, the head-level approach, as is often the case, is really good for very tangible, practical things, you know, traffic signals and stuff like that, you know, this means that, you know. Even for a work of art, you know, the idea that with any work of art we could say what it means in words is absurd. You know, obviously there's things that we could say about a work of art that, you know, a thoughtful critic might help us to appreciate the work of art more, but there's there's no way that we can exhaust in words even what a um what a work of art means. And if you and if you think about say say a precocious eight year old asked, what does puberty mean? What's it like to go through puberty? Like we we couldn't you there's not a whole lot we could say in words to that person that would capture the experience. You know, it's something that has to be lived through. Um, and so the whole idea that there would be something that, you know, the meaning of life is X, and there was something that you could say in words that would deeply sum up the meaning of life is completely absurd. And of course, it flies in the face of what Lao Tzu said, you know, the Tao that can be put into words is not the Tao. The other definition of meaning has to do with when things feel meaningful. This is a more heart-centered or more uh, emotional-centered meaning of the word. And really, I would say, uh, how can I, how to say it? You know, instead of asking what is the meaning of life, which which almost invites the dysfunctional head-centered approach, I think a much more valuable question is, what makes life feel meaningful? Or even more, you know, more to the point, how can we cultivate a more meaningful life? I'll say that at one point, somebody asked Freud, what is sanity? And I think they were expecting some kind of complicated, you know, philosophical sort of explanation. And he said quite simply, Arbeiten und Leben, to work and to love. Which is really Freud at one of his more Zen moments. Um, But there's a lot there. The way I would say it is that meaningful experience unfolds from connection. 
from connection with others, connection to our work, connection, ultimately connection to ourself and connection to, to the, the deeper layers in ourself. And I'll say, even just at a, at a kind of conventional level, there's a lot of meaningful experience that happens in healthy relationships, healthy, authentic relationships. Um, relationships where I can be vulnerable, relationships where I can experience emotional intimacy. And the more I have authentic relationships like that throughout my life, the more likely it is that I'm having meaningful experiences, you know. Um, and of course, it's it's the nature of of nature of human relationships that when I'm connecting with others, I'm also connecting in some ways with myself. You know, I can't be authentic or honest or or vulnerable or intimate with anyone else if I can't be that way with myself. You know, this sort of thing. So there's there's always a certain amount of of growth and healing that comes just with any kind of authentic connection. And meaningful work also. Um, sometimes work is meaningful because it has this deeply soul-satisfying quality. You know, um, you know, I am following my bliss as I'm doing this work, that kind of thing. You know, some people have that experience. Some people have the experience, maybe it's not a soul-satisfying work. You know, I'm doing good for the world, but I feel deeply connected to my coworkers, and there's there's a kind of intimacy with the kind of connection I have with my coworkers, and I value their company, you know. And so either one of those can make make work deeply meaningful. And of course, it's it's kind of double whammy bonus if you can get both, you know, the the soul satisfying work that you're doing with wonderful people. Um, I'll say I was lucky in my last job to have that. That was. Unfortunately, the job I had to walk away from because of my illness. So I'll say that someone who is has meaningful work and a, and a large network of you know family or friends, meaningful connections, you know, um, probably they're not you know tormented with angst about you know what does it all mean you know because they're having a lot of meaningful experiences, but even then they would be sensing that there's some there there are more deeply meaningful experiences that they still could be having you know it even even those conventional relate those conventional things while satisfying would leave them hungry for something more so i want to read a quote from joseph campbell um joseph campbell at one point toward the end of his life he was in interviews with bill moyers um, and they, they broadcast it on PBS called The Power of Myth. And, and it's, it's actually a riot to go back and watch it because you can just tell Bill Moyers was relatively young at the time. And there are points that, that Joseph Campbell is talking about things and you can tell that Bill Moyers is like way in over his head, you know. But at one point, Bill Moyers asks him about the meaning of life. And Joseph Campbell's response was, people say that what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our inmost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. Bill Boys were really confused by that response. But at any rate, 
Um, what does it mean to taste the rapture of being alive? And this is where I say, would say it's very important to cultivate attention and inner silence. Um, I take it as really the the historical Buddha's foundational insight that there's such a profound link between the quality of our attention and our happiness, you know. And attention is something, you know, we have, we have very low standards for attention in this culture. Like just, you know, is someone paying attention or not? Like, you know, that, that kind of very binary sort of thing, you know. What does it mean to cultivate attention, to deepen attention, even to become a connoisseur of attention, you know? And similarly, inner silence. Inner silence is so important in the healing process. Um, Just creating the space for all the, the wounded places in us to, as it were, you know, come forward and take the stage. And of course, healing is a very long process. Um, in my experience, what, what a cycle that I've often experienced in going through healing is that I encounter a new, you know, a new nexus of pain within me, say. And at first it's very tight and defended and, you know, just sitting with it, you know, directing love and allowing and acceptance. And then, you know, it it goes through whatever feelings it has, it goes through whatever cycle it has, and this might be over the course of weeks or months, but eventually it starts to relax and open, and then it becomes a kind of tenderness. And then that place that was a hard edge within me, like an edge of defense, now that becomes another layer of vulnerability to feel into. And so as we heal we drop deeper and deeper into vulnerability. Um, and as we drop deeper and deeper into vulnerability, we can taste the world more directly. We can taste life more directly. And of course, I'm, I'm also impacted by others more, more intimately, which, which makes those relationships more meaningful also. Um, on days when my, my attention is particularly silent and clear, the world sparkles. The world kind of shimmers with a, with a sort of presence. And it's almost like the silence underneath all things is a presence that greets me, you know. I don't have this, like, walking, not like 24-7 I have this experience, but on my best days. Um... And at that level, the world is saturated with meaning. Like everything is meaningful, you know. And in fact, the more detailed and the more particular the nature of the detail, the more meaningful it is. And this is, uh, this I think is the insight of Zen Buddhism, that um, finding such rich interest in the absolute ordinariness of everyday life. 
You know, how miraculous this, I chop wood, I carry water. Um, So in that spirit, I'm going to share a poem by Tennyson. Flower in the crannied wall, I pluck you out of the crannies and hold you here, root and all, in my hand. Little flower, but if I could understand what you are, root and all, all in all, I should know what God and man is. So I'll share the quote sheet now. I shared it with the Zoomies. Send those around. Uh, the, the Tennyson poem. And then St. Thomas Aquinas. I'm actually quite a fan of, of Thomas Aquinas. He doesn't often make it onto my quote sheets. But we have one here. I would rather feel compassion than know the meaning of it. Um, Dostoevsky said quite simply, love life more than the meaning of it. G.K. Chesterton said, one of the deepest and strangest of all human moods is the mood which will suddenly strike us perhaps in the garden at night or deep in sloping meadows the feeling that every flower and every leaf has just uttered something direct and important, and that we have, by prodigy of imbecility, not heard or misunderstood it. There is a certain poetic value, and a genuine one, in this sense of having missed the full meaning of things. There is, there is beauty, not only wisdom, but also in this dazed and dramatic ignorance. I might reframe that as just the, you know, the... The, the richness of holding not knowing. Carl Jung said quite simply, neurosis is suffering which has not discovered its meaning. Mm. Upensky said, it is only when we realize that life is taking us nowhere that it begins to have meaning. That one is deep. R.H. Blythe, the Zen commentator, said, The sun shines, snow falls, mountains rise and valleys sink, night deepens and pales into day, but it is only very seldom that we attend to such things. When we are grasping the inexpressible meaning of these things, this is life, this is living. The translator Lin Yu Tong said, if you learn to use a perfect afternoon in a perfectly useless manner, you have learned the meaning of life. So the first quote from Joseph Campbell I already quoted. The second one, suddenly you're ripped into being alive and life is painful and life is suffering and life is horror, but by God, you're alive and it's spectacular. Lawrence Durrell said, it is not meaning that we need, but sight. Albert Camus said, find meaning. Distinguish melancholy from sadness. Go to a, go for a walk. 
It doesn't have to be a romantic walk in the park, spring at its most spectacular moment, flowers and smells and outstanding poetic imagery smoothly transferring you into another world. It doesn't have to be a walk in which you'll have multiple life epiphanies and discover meanings no other brain managed to encounter. Don't be afraid of spending quality time with yourself. Find meaning or don't find meaning, but steal some time and give it freely and exclusively to your own self. Opt for privacy and solitude. This doesn't make you antisocial or cause you to reject the rest of the world, but you need to breathe and you need to be. So very passionate, and it is true that a cert- there's a certain quality of meaning, meaningful experience that only happens when we're alone making time for ourselves and connecting with ourselves. He also said, quite simply, live to the point of tears, which I find very touching. Merton said, when we live superficially, we're always outside of ourselves, never quite with ourselves, always divided and pulled in many directions. We find ourselves doing many things that we do not really want to do, saying things we do not really mean, needing things we do not need, exhausting ourselves for what we secretly realize to be worthless and without meaning in our lives. You know, and it's a great question. How often do we mean the things we say? How often, you know, how deeply do we really need the things we run around saying that we need? You know. The Jungian Marie-Louise von Franz said, as soon as we notice that certain types of events like to cluster together at certain times, we begin to understand the attitude of the Chinese, whose theory of medicine, philosophy, and even building are based on the science of meaningful coincidences. The classic Chinese text did not ask what causes what, but rather what likes to occur with what. And synchronicity is often a, a powerful avenue for, for exploring meaning. Frederick Frank said, once the art of seeing is lost, meaning is lost, and life itself seems ever more meaningless. Again, the, this, this emphasis on refining the quality of attention. The Dalai Lama said, we are but visitors on this planet. We are here for 90 or 100 years at the very most. During that period, we must try to do something, something useful with our lives. If you contribute to other people's happiness, you will find your true goal, the true, true meaning of life. Nature Naomi Raymond said, Most of us live far more meaningful lives than we know. Often finding meaning is not about doing things differently. It is about seeing familiar things in a new way. You know, gratitude, just a simple gratitude practice, opens up a tremendous amount of meaningful experience. Brian Stevenson said, I guess I've always known but never fully considered that being broken is what makes us human. We all have our reasons. Sometimes we're fractured by the choices we make, sometimes shattered by things we never would have chosen, but our brokenness is also the source of our common humanity, the basis for our shared search for comfort, meaning, and healing. Our shared vulnerability and imperfection nurtures and sustains our capacity for compassion. Brene Brown said, vulnerability is the birthplace of love, Belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. 
It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. And finally, Greg Anderson said, when we are motivated by goals that have deep meaning, by dreams that need completion, by pure love that needs expressing, then we truly live.